welcome to the Enter the Bible podcast, where you can get answers or at least reflections on everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I'm Katherine Schifferdecker. I'm Katie Langston. And our guest today, again, uh, for part two of this episode uh, is, or this series, is Dr. Jeremy L. Williams. He's the Assistant Professor of New Testament at Bright Divinity School at Texas Christian University and uh, the author of a, a forthcoming book in the fall here called Criminalization in Acts of the Apostles, Race, Rhetoric, and the Prosecution of an Early Christian Movement. Uh, so welcome back, Jeremy. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be back. All right. Thank you for having me. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, so this is part two of a single subject. Uh, so for those listeners who happen to have uh, come uh, uh, come across this um, on its own, you might want to go back and listen to part one first. Uh, but we're still addressing a, a question that came into our website at enterthebible.org. Uh, and the question goes like this. My confirmation students want to know where does the devil come from? Did God create the devil? And why would God do that if God did uh, create the devil? And so in part one, uh, in answer to this question, we spent a fair amount of time, uh, uh, as you might imagine, in the Bible. Uh, I'm an Old Testament scholar. Jeremy is a New Testament scholar. And this is Enter the Bible. So uh, <laughs> we talked about the figure of Satan, uh, both in the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament and the New Testament, um, and uh, talked about the kind of development of the idea of this figure uh, in in uh, in various books of the Bible, and including in some um, works that came between the Old Testament and the New Testament, like uh, some of the Dead Sea Scrolls or a book called Jubilees, which is um, a, a Jewish book um, that recounts some of the same stories in the Old Testament. So we see this development of from the Satan as a kind of accusing figure or prosecuting attorney in Job uh, to the Satan or Satan uh, or Beelzebub or whatever name you want to call him, as really a demonic force or a uh, oppositional force to God uh, in the New Testament. Um, so we wanted, I don't know that we, and we talked about um, the uh, the story of Satan being a fallen angel. So in that sense, I suppose we answered the, the listener's question as yes, God did create uh, Satan, but not as an evil being, uh, but as as a good being, and that Satan rebels. Um, but what else? What else do we want to say? I know we talked in part one, Jeremy, about the usefulness of Satan. I think you, or usefulness of that mm -hmm. thinking about Satan. Um, do you want to start with that, or and we'll get back into the topic? Yes, um, I believe it's important, especially when we think about um, biblical texts, and and for those. Um, who are, are believers and are faithful Christians who, who believe that God uh, inspired these texts to recognize that God um, speaks, but sound doesn't travel in a vacuum. Sound has to uh, vibrate off of material. And, and for when it comes to biblical texts, um, God's word vibrated off of the experience of the writer's lives. Um, and, and one feature of their lives that I think is important when we think about the Satan is that these are people who were chronically and frequently um, oppressed, colonized, and subjugated. 
And, and so part of the way that they heard God speaking to them was through experiences of, of oppression and experiences of, of foreign rule and domination. And the Satan or the devil or some type of spiritual force that, that, that seemed to be outside of their own powers, even as a collective group, um, became a useful trope for thinking about how in the world could a God who loves them, has all power, and is able to defend them, how, how can they reconcile being in relationship with a God like that when such terrible oppression and tragedies and calamities have befallen them? And cool. a useful, mm-hmm. um, I would say, literary trope, and then, or we could talk about a spiritual idea, however we want to parse it out, became the idea of, of the Satan. And, 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 we, and we see this idea in, particularly um, in, in like Daniel, and then particularly how the early, early Jesus followers of the New Testament started to think about um, the way that at these, in these end times, um, these um, imperial ruling forces um, were, were really uh, portrayed as as beasts, creatures, um, demonic imps, or, or, or ultimately um, the, the minions of the devil. Because these people who are writing and penning and discussing God's word are living in these scenarios of, of oppression and domination. And so, so Satan becomes a way for them to rationalize a world that, that otherwise wouldn't make sense with, with a God who is supposed to be with them and who they're in covenant with. And so from that perspective, um, thinking about how the Satan um, is a tool of oppressed people to, to, to reconcile and to make sense of a world that is otherwise nonsensical, I think is, 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 is something worth interrogating. Hmm. No, that's really helpful. I, I really I like that metaphor a lot, uh, or analogy of God speaking, but not in a vacuum, right? That God speaks in people's experiences and history. And uh, that's a really beautiful way of putting it. Thanks for that. Uh, so, yeah, so, there, so the Jews and then the early Christians with them, uh, who are first of all Jews and then, then more Gentiles. Right. Uh, they, they're experiencing this oppression. They're experiencing kind of event after event that seems to at least call into question the idea of an all-powerful, you know, loving God. And so then, so there, there seems to be this dawning realization or idea of, of spiritual forces that then are opposed to God that, that, you know, instead of assigning all the bad stuff to God, uh, it it really makes more sense to think, well, maybe there's something besides God that's working against God, right? So let me ask and the... It, oh, go ahead, Katie. Well, I was going to say, I, 
I'm going to channel my inner skeptic, which um, she's never far from the surface anyway. But, um, you know, I could I could imagine someone saying, well, that is a likely story, <laughs> right? Like bad things happen. And uh, instead of just concluding that therefore there is no God, uh, you're going to just invent this like bad guy and say, well, it's his fault that all the, <laughs> that all this has happened. Right. And so, um, yeah, I would, I would, I would want to kind of wrestle with that a little bit. Like I, I would, um, posit that perhaps, um, as they are, uh, as they're asking those questions and as they're, um, you know, considering what's going on. I don't know that they're um, inventing this as much as they are finding words and symbols and ways to express a reality that they're experiencing. Well, I feel like, I feel like you resolved your skepticism by the, by the end of your statement. <laughs> I think you resolved just, it. Just it sounds like throwing out one possible way, one possible way to, to think through that. Yeah. Because I think that the part of what you raise is 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 that certainly this is a a way to um to give God a, a way out yeah um, to say well well God didn't really do it it was <laughs> it was the devil it was the devil right? <laughs> um, but but by the right. but, but but what you got to at the end was that um, people really had to make sense of of their world and 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 it works. Um, and, and, and one of the, one of the things that's worth noting is that, um, the reason why I wanted to highlight the oppressed status of the people, because it makes a lot more sense when people do not have their hands on lever of power to recognize that there are intermediaries in between them and real power. That, mm. that that's not an experience that would seem necessarily um, untenable. Um, that when we think about marginalized people, whether they're enslaved or whether immigrants or people um, with disabilities, we, we, it's it's not difficult for them to see that people who have privilege and power can function one way, and that there are things in between that that are that are keeping them from from having access to those those other rights and privileges. And, and so in that way, rather than to, to castigate the entire framework, um, especially if one presumes that, that, um, that wholeness is attainable in this world, then, then it has to be some forceful, powerful thing in between. And, and, and I think that, um, now you have me theologizing. I, I, I good, warned. Good. I warned before about that's good. That's good. <laughs> you did. You did warn us. But this is good. This um, is good. But um, I think that um, creating satanic opponents um, is is a, is a way to to make sense of situations that are that are difficult to comprehend. And 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 I say that um, that. In antiquity, I talked about the empires, but I think in contemporary times, we, we, we easily can point out when this happens negatively, right? Or we can talk about certain groups that, that point to other groups 
and want to demonize them or exclude them or or to like put them in hell, etc. But what's interesting too is on on um, on the other side, if, if the more conservative side is who we would want to pinpoint that on, the more conser- the more progressive side often similarly um, has its own devils that it likes to name and call out uh, like neoliberalism and, <laughs> and sexism right. and homophobia are, are right. demons that need to be destroyed. Right. The isms. Right? Yeah, There's yeah, some yeah. utility, right? Yeah. The yeah. utility to calling out patriarchy and curiarchy as, as like, if we use the Ephesians um, idea, you know, that um, spiritual wickedness in high places. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. so the language is, it's, it's, it's plastic enough to be dangerous but also a useful way to think about systems that are not working perfectly. Mm. <laughs> that, that, that there's, there's a way to say, I still think this can work, but this is not well, ideal they, the way it is now. They, these forces, right. That, that, the, the systems, these sorts of things, they kind of take on a life of their own, right? Like mm-hmm. when you think about people that get caught up in, you know, in mob mentality, or you think about the ways in which, um, we participate in these systems and perpetuate them, you know, uh, even without wanting to there, there is a sense in which like they really do like have their own energy and propelling, you know, movement forward, like a force, a power. Right. So I, yeah, I think, you know, in a, in a skeptical kind of worldview, kind of sciencey kind of, you know, and post enlightenment kind of world, these are hard um, concepts to, to wrap our minds around, but I, I think you kind of see it happening. So. I, uh, yeah, I, I was going to go along the same lines, Katie. I think there are certain things that happen, at least for me, I'll, I'll just speak personally, that I I do believe there are evil forces, that there are evil spiritual forces. I don't think it's just an invention, uh, uh, you know, to explain things. I think, and I, maybe because I, I can't figure out otherwise, like how things like the Holocaust happens or slavery or you know, genocide, or that maybe we can just attribute all that to human sin. But sometimes, as you say, it does seem like things, movements or mobs kind of take on a life of their own. Um, and it's, I, 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 I find it useful anyway. And again, I'm, I'm just speaking personally, I find it useful to, to talk about that in terms of spiritual forces. Um, I, I do want to say, and I think it's important to say that time after time, and you you referenced this, I think, in in our first the first episode, Jeremy, uh, that that time after time, the New Testament affirms that these these forces, whatever they are, are not equal to God, right? That that God is is always more powerful, um, and we see that especially in Revelation, but in other texts as well, right? That 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 there may be there may be forces at work oppositional to God and to God's people, but they're not as powerful as God. Um, so, like for in First Peter five, you know, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Resist him right. firm in your faith, right? There's a there's it, it's not an inevitable kind of 
uh, downfall, right? That 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 the devil can be resisted, or these forces, however you want to characterize it, can be resisted. Yeah, like when um, when Jesus tells Peter in the Garden uh, Gethsemane that that Satan desires to sift through you like wheat. It, it seems that there's a point of decision, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that you know, ultimately, I think the hope of the Christian faith and the and 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 the hope of the resurrection is that those forces have been defeated, you know, and will be defeated uh, in in Jesus Christ. And I think that there are there are no and one of the and going back to my one of my earlier points and why I want to kind of reiterate it again is that when, when people are on the underside of power. It is very easy to see the entire world as being controlled by Satan. And sure. that and that what's actually more difficult to believe, and I think there was a little bit of conversation about this before, is that God is good. Mm. It may be much more difficult to believe that than that Satan yes. is real, but that evil mm. forces are in control of the day, right? Yeah. Um, like with, with those atrocities that you, that you mentioned, Catherine, Holocaust, enslavement, um, we think about the climate crisis as the, we're experiencing. Like it, 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 when <laughs> when when a, when, a, when a handful of corporate plutocrats can determine the fate of the world, it, it, it would seem it would seem that that um, that that it's harder to believe that God is is in control if, mm-hmm. to have this type of regime. And 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 the and the faith of the perseverance component is is in actually observing the world as it is and to say that that a lot of the way that the world currently operates is under the influence of the evil one and and i offer that because um an article i wrote on um on revelation i i argued that often we think about that text as just about the end of the world um but there, there are three ways that i think it's important to look at it um that one is that it's it's, it's about power and mapping power in the Roman Empire. Um, the second, outside of power, it's about perseverance. Mm. The goal is to remind those who are committed, those who are faithful, to continue to persevere through mm. through this system, even when it seems that that your opportunity for vindication is is far away (laughs) but to know that ultimately um you have victory is 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 very meaningful but but the challenge with that is that i mean just like any message this kind of message in the the wrong hands um becomes uh, support for for labeling people who are oppressed as demonic and needing to be eradicated and so so the the, the difficulty with the nimble language is that it can yeah. be used against its original purpose too. Now that's well, that's a really important point, Jeremy. Like the this language, like the the imagery of revelation is really helpful and, and has been historically helpful to those who are oppressed. But if if used by the oppressor, it can, you know, that kind of war imagery can be really dangerous. So yeah, ex- very, very important caveat about that kind of imagery. I do wonder if there is, you know, going back to the usefulness of these kinds of concepts, like one one useful aspect of it could be that um, that in a sense, 
thinking of it as a power or a force or an entity or something like that um, can depersonalize it. In other words, the person, right? You you don't say the this this person or this group of people themselves are evil and must be eradicated. It would be instead understanding that the that the fight is not against flesh and blood, but is against the the forces of evil. And that there's a way in which that actually calls us back to remembering the humanity and the, you know, of, of our fellow image bearers, our, of, of other human beings, that, that it's not okay to actually demonize a person because that's not who our fight or argument is with. When, when I, um, um, as you, as you heard in my bio, I'm seeing me. And so I, but, but. I didn't get baptized as an infant. I I still I had to had to come down and ex, uh, accept, uh, join the church and got baptized. Uh, um, although three modes, you know, pour and sprinkling were available, got immersed. But but on the day that I that I decided to um, join the church, as we called it, um, my grandmother, who I called Mima, she rang out with this song. Uh, it said, "Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down because ah. you've been building your kingdom all over this land." Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down. And it has several verses. We're going to pray your kingdom down. Satan, we're going to moan your kingdom. Say the preachers are going to preach your kingdom down, right? And then in that verse about the preachers are going to preach it down. You've been building your kingdom all in the house of God, right? Um, oh, wow. And so that song evoked some really powerful images that, that now kind of haven't done my training. I can go back to kind of the, it's a there's a folksiness to it, but there's something I think that, that has actually animated a lot of my work and my activism and my and my engagement is that there is there's a real job to to do going around tearing Satan's kingdom down. Um, sometimes we imagine that we're preventing it from growing, but in a lot of places it's it's settled and established. When we when we look at the laws that are coming out of Florida and where I live now in Texas, it looks like Satan's kingdom is is thoroughly established and is expanding. And so the work is is to is to tear down, <laughs> um, and I think that for the early Jesus followers, like those in Revelation, for those who had just lost their temple in Jerusalem, when it seemed like God's presence was lost, that that Rome looked like it was getting stronger, and their their comrades and their experience and their traditions were getting weaker, and so part of the hope is that not only will will Satan's kingdom ultimately fall. But um, we have some power to to take a brick or two out of it while we're here. <laughs> you know, Amen. Yeah, even yeah. I try to avoid like warlike images, but I do think that some sometimes this idea of tearing down a kingdom. I think that I think I think tearing down a kingdom is peaceful, right? Like not not necessarily like waging war with another kingdom, but maybe tearing down one that can that can be active that peace. That works. Active yeah. Kings can be. yeah, that preaches. That's good. Yeah. So in in uh, in our Lutheran tradition that Katie and I are in, that at baptism, either you know whether it's a baby or an adult, uh, the the spot the the parents or sponsors or the one being baptized are asked. The parents and sponsors answer for if the if the baptized is an infant. Do you renounce Satan and all his works and all his ways? Right. It's the it's similar kind of thing. Right. I renounce them. And then you say, do you believe in God, the father? Do you believe in, and you recite the apostles creed. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. 
Satan in all his works and all his ways to renounce that. I think that it goes along the same lines of what you're talking about, right? Tearing Satan's kingdom down. Uh, it's a really it presumes image. that they're standing, right? It presumes it presumes that they're standing, right? Yeah, right, right. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. I think it's it's just realistic about that. Uh, and yeah, that's a really powerful call. Thanks for sharing that. I don't know that song, but that's that's really uh, that's really a powerful way of thinking about thinking about the Christian vocation, right? To tear Satan's kingdom down. So just one more question, though, like we're we're talking about, you know, all of this in context of, you know, forces and powers. And we kind of tracked in part one, we tracked the history of how, you know, how, how these ideas um, evolved and how people began to describe what they had experienced in these terms. But like, where did we get the the like dude with the pitchfork or like the you know what i mean like some of these ideas that seem so pervasive in our culture now if they're not rooted in scripture like where where did they come from thank you thank you for this question um and and in the first part we got through hebrew bible got through most of the new testament um and 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 what we didn't get to is some of the the thing, the text like the Apocalypse of Paul that comes after the New Testament, probably um, third, thirdest, fourth century, where where you start to see these these different gradations of of the afterlife and and torment and um, right. and hell and layers of hell, etc. But um, but even there, you don't get the types of images that many of us are familiar with like the pitchfork and the horns kind of thing. Those really evolve out of texts like Dante's Inferno and, and Milton's Paradise Lost. Like, like although um, um, hell and the devil, they make appearances in biblical texts, um, these texts, these later texts make hell hotter, make the <laughs> devil more personal and fierce. <laughs> they, they, they take it to another again. level. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but yeah, but that's but yeah. and, and and part of it is a um, I think not to go too far down this road is is to just imagine the experiences that people engage to 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 need this as as either a way to warn people to avoid. John Chrysostom always t- talked about how how um, hell was a useful concept for teenagers. To get them to behave correctly, <laughs> I need to. I need to maybe roll that out more in my parenting. I got too much of this grace stuff going on. Like God loves you, you're forgiven. <laughs> you know, you know. I think, I think, I think, I think the fear of eternal torture is is probably a little overhanded to get teenagers to yeah, behave. It, right? I mean, it, it, it could be. It could work. Bit, it, it, it can. Work. It can it be effective. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. I do. Uh, yeah. I do mention that sometimes on staff with my um, with my colleagues coming from a let's just say a more punitive tradition than I am now in. I'll say, you know, if we want them to donate more, we could just tell them that if they don't, then they're going to be punished for eternity. And my experience is that works pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! And, and I think one huh. thing, just to, to to loop it all the way back around to our conversation around Satan, and kind of what I mentioned at the beginning of this segment is is, and, and this might be a little 
a little too too meta, but I think I think I think your listeners like can go here. Is yeah. is what work is Satan doing? For whom and to what effects? One of my teachers, Karen King, always asked this question: For whom does the text work? For whom and with what effect? And I think asking that question around Satan is also important because it helps us to see the ancient author, the more contemporary author, and our own work. And it helps us to show the work. When we are thinking of the concept of the devil, for whom does it work? And with what effects? And then we can see, are there moments, as we talked about in this time, where using an image of Satan can be useful to help a group be resilient against insurmountable odds, but it can also be very, very problematic and harmful when used to demonize entire groups of people and use right. that as logic for their extermination. And so, so it's, it's a dangerous concept to use, and people have used it in multiple ways. And so in some ways, I know some communities um, choose to not use it at all because of all of its negative implications. But what I think can be worthwhile is to recognize when it's important to see that the, that the, the Satan's kingdom is erupting in some places and, and really needs some direct action and confrontation. But the tricky part, and this goes back to something we said in the first segment, is we have to be careful in identifying the work of evil, the work of the enemy, and make sure that we're not misidentifying it with the work of God's spirit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's that's the real work. And that's an internal work. And it should make us very, very cautious in making these assessments on who is being moved by the devil and who is not. And it and who is being I, I would moved suggest by God. that kind of that kind of discernment needs to happen best in community and and with prayer, right? Uh, that it's not so much an individual discernment as it is a community discernment. But you, you're right, that's hugely important work, right? To discern what what kind of spirit is at work in various events. Wow. Well, we could probably do many, many more parts of what has been a two-part, uh, two-parter already, um, which which we don't do that often. So, uh, this has been really, really interesting and helpful. And dear listener, I hope that this isn't too much for your confirmation students. <laughs> but at least maybe it could be food for thought for you, and you can figure out how to pre- uh, present it to fourteen-year-olds. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Uh, in any case, uh, thank you so much, uh, Jeremy. This has been a wonderful conversation, um, super fruitful, super interesting, and just glad that you could be with us today. Um, and for yeah, those of you, you who thank have you. joined us, yes, yeah. uh, for those of you who have joined us um, either on YouTube or uh, in your favorite podcatcher, thank you for being with us as well. You can get more resources, commentaries, conversations, articles, all kinds of stuff at enterthebible.org. Uh, and of course, please rate us, uh, you know, five star ratings and reviews, especially on your favorite podcast <laughs> app, are super super welcome it helps other people find the show uh and uh, although the best way to do that is to share it with a friend so if you do that we would appreciate it thanks for being with us today